Coming up, Sundays with Priscilla. We're back, baby. Next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Uber Eats. Spring is here and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana, that's a no, but a banana, that's a yes. A nice tan, sorry, no, but a box fan, happily, yes. A day of sunshine, nope. A box of fine wines, yeah. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets, product availability may vary by region. See app for details. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. New rewatchables coming on Monday night. It is the last episode of the Cold Weather Tour. Rounders, New York City, me and Sean and Van and Chris. After this week, we're moving to brand new podcasts again. So stay tuned for that. You can hear me on Stick the Landing with Andy Greenwald on the Prestige TV podcast, his excellent podcast about um, series finale episodes, the last episode of Great Shows. I did the Larry Sanders podcast with him, and that is going to be running either this week or next week. Larry Sanders, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite shows of all time. It is almost 30 years removed from its peak. The peak is really season four, season five, season six which you can watch on the Max app. Uh, I absolutely love this show. I had so much fun talking about it. Speaking of fun, I went on Dana Carvey and David Spade's podcast, Fly on the Wall, last week, and we deep-dived SNL. I had an absolute blast. I got to talk 90 minutes with those guys. I love that podcast, and, uh, and we had a really, really fun time. So you can hear that as well if you love SNL. Coming up on this podcast, Priscilla and I are going to deep dive NBA stuff. Oh yeah. A lot of, we did segments. We, we really planned this one out. So it's coming up first, our friends from ProJip. All right, we're taping this a little past 6.30 Pacific time, Sunday night. Ryan Rosillo is here. Sunday's with Rosillo. We're back. I don't remember how many years it's been now. Five, six, seven, six, five? It's not seven. Four? No, so five? 18, but I was still working at both places. I think it was 19 it started. So yeah, because you came over for the Kawhi, the, the, uh, the shot. Yeah. Yeah, we, that, so that's when uh, that's when we got going. All right, year six for us. We uh, wanted to wait until after that Warriors Nuggets game. We're going to cover a lot of stuff. We actually did some prep. We have segments. I'm very excited. 
Whereas Nuggets, like this will be fun. Nuggets will either prove they're the champs and Jokic will just dust the Warriors like he always does. Or the Warriors, who've been coming on lately, are starting to look like a stealth. You don't want to see these guys in the playoff team. Maybe they'll throw a couple haymakers. And then Joker comes out and it's 61-61 at halftime. And Clay's had 23 in the first half. Like, this is a bad sign. Joker comes out in the second half and just eviscerates them. Like, eviscerates them. And I don't know, man. You watch a game like that and you go, all right, road still goes through Denver. I don't know how many, I don't know how many games the Celtics have to be up in the one seed. It's not, I'm not sure it matters. It still goes through Denver. That was my takeaway. What was yours? I liked that 80 seconds into our first pod and figured out how it impacted the Celtics. So <laughs> thank you. 80. It was like 40. <laughs> uh you know, I was I was really confused when Golden State was up that big because you know the Clay story's been a long story. He's coming off the bench now. Yeah, uh, I, I watched that Lakers game. LeBron didn't play, so you know Steph had a big night, and they ran away from him at the end. But there were still moments where I was like, God, I can't believe that's Clay. Like, look at Clay, and you could see. And then he hit, I think, his fourth three in the first quarter, where he got it on a curl, and you could just see how confident he had been. And it was funny because he had a turnover on his first like touch where he looked hesitant and then he hits a couple shots in the fourth one he hits this curl on the left side and it's like out of his hands like old school clay yeah and i'm thinking like wait a minute because i guess i i've certainly between listening to you and others i think i still hold out hope that he can be some kind of asset in a rotation depending on whatever they are but when they <laughs> when denver goes on a 14 nothing run to close the first half after all of that work they've done it's like investing in a stock and you're just looking at it, it's two years later and then the ceo you know tweets out a picture of his dick and you're like oh <laughs> you know you wake up pre-market hours it's like what do like, you do like all of this <laughs> he shit two, in his office <laughs> two years of these gains wiped out <laughs> and that's what it felt like. And when that happened, I'm with you. Like right when that happened, because I knew we were going to do this to lead the pod. It was a good thing to do. You know, Draymond, since it's come back January 15th, there are 11 and five, I think, coming into this game. Number one scoring, number one assist, number one rebounding team, even though the late rebounding situation. And then you just watch the end and it reminded me of why I wrote the Warriors off, which I felt unfair. You yeah. know, because this stretch prior to tonight's game, this stretch, it's like, wait, just like you said, like, Wait, do we have to take them a little bit more seriously? But that so I'm offense. Not, I'm in the not done with quarter, that though. To be okay. fair, go ahead. So last 15, they were second in net rating, and Denver was 21st. And Denver just seems like they're on autopilot. Wait, wait for the playoffs. But yet, there's these little challenges along the way where they're like, "All right, I guess we'll try for this one." They did it in Boston, and the Boston game was very similar to this one, where it was halftime, and it was like, "Oh man." Just have a bigger lead than this. And then Denver did what they do in the second half. And it was the same tonight. Um, I thought it was a weirdly a bigger game for Denver than Golden State. Golden State's not as good as them. They hung, they threw some punches, Jokic beat them. But for Denver, like I kind of wanted to see them do this on a Sunday on ABC. And then you look at the Joker, like Joker stats headed after the All-Star break, the three games. Like he, I think he had a 32, 16, and 16 tonight. And I looked up, like, he hasn't had a game quite like that all year. The first game coming out of the break, he had, like, a 21, 15, and 15, but went 10 for 10 from for uh, field goals. So he's on, he's on this crazy post-All-Star game pace to lock up the MVP, not that he cares. Um, but I just think he owns the Warriors. Can we start there? 
Well, they've won ten of eleven now against. Him, I, I so don't. This I just isn't news. Yeah, yeah I think I think he looks at them and is like, "This is great, man." Draymond thinks he's gonna like do Draymond. Go, good luck. I'm just gonna I'm gonna kill you guys. The Gordon Kaminga, you know, Gordon. They just put him on Kaminga. That was that. And then they have a lot of tall, lengthy guys to throw a Curry. Right? There's always a six 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 seven or higher guy with a hand up. He was one for ten from three tonight. So it's a good matchup for them. If I'm Golden State, your your goal is you're gonna get the eight seed or the seven seed, depending on how all this shakes out. Uh, you have to win the playing games, at least one of them. Denver's the one team out of the four I don't want to see out of the top four. I'd take my chances to get OKC against Minnesota. Um, who's the other one I'm leaving out? Denver, the OKC, Minnesota. Clippers. Clippers. I'll take my chances against those other ones, but I don't want to see Denver. I know we're going to do this a little bit later, so I need a little space. I don't want to do this early in our first pod together and talking about watching Jokic live. Because the last three no, nights... No, we're, we're segueing into that. Okay. Well, let's... Well, you don't need to do it right now because let's... You're right. It's a bad matchup for the Warriors. I mean, 10 of 11, what else do you need to know? And yet when they went together on this run and Pajemski's been better, Kaminga's month in January was fantastic. You know, he's not shooting yeah. as well from three in February, but it, now it feels like, okay, at least it's something. Okay. It's, you know, there are even moments tonight where Wiggins, although their offense was so bad in the fourth quarter, turnovers, missed three, Sarich trying to create off the dribble, like on the non Curry minutes and they bring Curry back in. You can see Curry's like just desperate and they're just falling apart. But, you know, you add Chris Paul back into the mix at some point too. You at least look at the rotation. And when I did, I did kind of like the five, not a surprise, four more teams out of respect, the nine teams where if they won a title, I think I did it yeah. like a month ago on the pod where you go, you wouldn't go, how the hell did that team, you know, how did that team? And, you know, it's really five. It's probably not nine. I didn't even put Golden State in a nine because I just felt like, hey, you know, the endings are bad. The endings are always bad. There's no good ending when you have this kind of run. Do you still, despite today, look at the entire numbers for a month with Draymond back? And how well Steph has played, you know, which is another topic in itself and kind of the top five guys in the league. But like, do you do you completely write them off? Because that's no. what I did a month ago. And I, I feel unfair about it, even though they got smoked in the fourth quarter today. Well, you did it a month ago, but two things happened. Kaminga went to a level that I don't think any of us were expecting. And even today's game, I know he didn't play that great, but there's a lot of Sean Marion stuff with him now. Like there's a lot of around the rim stuff and cuts and. He's just so athletic and he's, it, to me, it looks like he's starting to figure it out. And then Podzemski's the other one. Like he's, what, what's the ceiling for him for you? Like, do you think he could make an all-star game? No, I don't know about that. Uh, but so I don't know. Starter, you know. starter on a, on a like real contender. Like how, how high do you go? How many floors is your Podzemski building? I feel like he's probably closer to his ceiling, even though he's a rookie though because of his game. Like the greatest thing about him is his rebounding. If you go back to his yeah. college stats, when I was doing the draft stuff, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like 17 rebound games. And it's actually translated to the NBA where granted it's not to that level, but he rebounds like crazy at that position. He initiates a lot of their offense. Um, he's been awesome for him. And he's, he's like, a, he's a major piece of kind of steadying prior to today. And yet when you ask me like ceiling for him, I don't, you know, I don't like, is he a starting guard on a title contender? I don't know. Oh, about I, that. I think possibly. Yeah. Cause to me, there's a Dragic piece to him. He, he gets a little Dragic sometimes. Like he'll come down, 
and he'll do that. Uh, he'll come to the foul line. You're not sure whether he's going to pull up and shoot a 15 footer, pass the guy in the corner. He starts passing the guy in the corner and then he passes it to another guy. It's just, he just is in control in an unusual way for a rookie. And I like that he can play a couple of positions and he just seems like from a high IQ standpoint, uh, fits in with that team immediately, which I, we, how many rookies have we seen try to come into a team to that Warriors team and just seem like they're completely lost. Like they're ninth graders trying to go into algebra three or something and he's fit in. So I, I just think they found something with him and Kaminga. And then when Chris comes back, they're going to have a real bench, right? They're going to have Clay and Gary Payton, Jackson Davis, Looney, Chris Paul, all his bench guys. So now they have a chance because their five man and Curry and Kamingo, Wiggins, Draymond, and Pods is, have been, I think, good. So now they have this bench that can extend some stuff. I w- wouldn't be crazy about seeing them in the playoffs, especially because of the Curry factor. You think Curry's, if we go, it's Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, Luka as the top four, which I don't think can be debated. Is Curry fifth? I, I have SGA over him at this point. Okay. I just think SGA, the, the consistency with SGA at some point, we're like almost at game 60 and the guy has a bad game once every three and a half weeks, maybe once every four weeks. Like today, he had 31. I would say him and Jokic are the two most consistent guys in the league. Even over Giannis. Luka? I don't, I wouldn't put him, I don't know about, over Luca. SGA? Yeah. He's like 31 to 34 every night. He it's never varies. It's crazy. I was I talked about this on my pod a couple weeks ago. They had that game score thing on basketball reference where yeah. you can I don't even know how they figure it out. It, it might be just this arbitrary number. But his game score, all of them are super high, and then there's like four bad ones. It's like you've only had four bad games according to this game score. <laughs> how how have you not had more stinkers? He just doesn't seem to have stinkers ever. Yeah, the game score stuff is fun on the playoff game log for like the superstars. Yeah. Because you'll look at some guys that you go, eh, this guy might not show up tonight. And you'd be like, how did he have a 12 game score? And then he had like a 40. And you're just right. like, how does that happen? And then the elite yeah, I don't of know the elite. Out. The elite of the elite just don't don't have those those bad games. Uh I think but but to answer your question, I think the problem with Curry compared to somebody like SGA is he just has games like tonight every once in a while. Like he's, he wasn't good today. 20 points, one for 10, but never kind of got going. And it seems like certain teams, I don't think they think we can take Steph out, but I think they can bother him in ways that a couple years ago, I don't think he was bothered in the same ways. Yeah, but the problem is everything else around him. Like you're watching tonight against Denver, you okay, the second best player for Denver is Jamal Murray. And Jamal Murray can initiate your offense. Once yes. Steph is gone, who's initiating your offense? Pajemski? And I'll give you this with Pajemski. Like, there's moments where, as a smaller player, I think he gets, looks like he's going to get stuck deep in the paint, and he still kind of figures out an angle. He has this yeah. step where he finishes with his left hand, which is really impressive. So he has some of this veteran stuff already. But I mean, we're still talking about Pajemski as a rookie is going like, "Hey, this is the guy that initiates your offense." And I think the hard part for Clay is that when he was always sharing all those Curry minutes, even though they still stagger him, they closed him coming off the bench. Um, you know, there's going to be moments for him where it's just going to be tougher than it's ever been before in those minutes where Curry's not out there the way they've always been in the past. So if the second What about when player, Chris comes back, though? Isn't Chris going to help that? That would. I'm, I'm just kind of going with what it is right now because when I'm watching tonight's game, like Aaron Gordon is going to wow you statistically all the time. That guy plays his ass off every night. 
he's out there. And, you know, you look at who he is now with Jokic. He's a different player than he was with Orlando, but there was also such a long stretch of his career where you were like, can this guy be a small forward ball handling guy, get his own offense? And you're like, not really. You know, he's sort yeah. of miscast. And now he gets to play this power forward position with the best passer in the entire league. And his effort is never, ever a question. So when Steph was off the floor, because they had matched the Jokic, like the non-Jokic minutes, non-Steph minutes to start the fourth quarter, and they both came in at the under eight mark. And it was like, okay, well, how's, how's this going to look? But in the minutes when they both weren't out there, you're like, dude, it's Murray, it's Gordon, it's Michael Porter Jr. against what for Golden State? Right. So it's not surprising. And on top of the Jokic numbers against Golden State, like Draymond, it reminded me a bit of the way we talk about with Minnesota, right? We'll say, well, man, Minnesota has all this size they can throw at Jokic. And you're like, okay, well, look at the Jokic splits against Minnesota and tell me where the bad numbers are. Like, they're, they're just not really there. I think yeah. there's like one bad playoff game in the five-game series they had last year. And I'm not even sure if that's right because I, I went through and looked at it. Like, Draymond meets him earlier, you know, does his work early, maybe makes him fight. And then you still look at the numbers and go, okay, cool. <laughs> Like it didn't, you would never look at this box score saying, hey, great matchup. Because over the long haul of however many minutes, and they, it looked like they were resting Draymond to try to close a close game. Like he, when he came back in, he'd only played 21 minutes, maybe because they knew how hard it was going to be against Jokic. But it's just a brutal matchup for Golden State. So like I said, I felt a little unfair writing him off like I did a month ago and then seeing him resurge a little bit. But as we're talking it out, like you really think they're winning the West? You really think Golden State has a chance to win the West? I don't. I think Denver's going to win the West. So you're off the Clippers part of it. It's never wavered. No, I just I I just feel like I've never wavered from it being Boston and Denver in the finals, but I think the Clippers have a legit chance with the amount of offense they have. And the some of the clutch stats with them are pretty crazy, the Clips. And we've talked about it, you know, offline about just like holy shit, every single possession they get good shots, the Clippers. Um one thing on Gordon cuz I I agree with you, it's I, it makes me makes me wonder how many players just never ended up on the right team, right? There's this other version of Gordon's career where he's fine and he's on some playing teams and a couple six seeds, but nothing ever really happens and he makes some money and his career's over. But the way he clicks with uh Yeah, he's that he's Jokic, young. It, well, the way he clicks with Jokic and then He's also one of those guys when people try to post him up, you're just watching on TV going, Come on, dude, don't don't try to post up Gordon. Don't try to think you're going to post on Aaron Gordon and get a good shot, which happened a couple of times today. It's like, this is the Celtics is the same thing with them. It's like, don't attack Gordon. Just don't just stop. Um, they also got some good Christian Brown minutes tonight, which I think if you're going to pick apart the nuggets, like what makes you nervous? It's just like all those kind of young guys in big spots. If they're down two one in a series, but, um, yeah, but I think Christian Brown had enough moments in the playoffs last year that, you know, there were some bright spots with some the downside of it being new for him. But yeah, I think you're really nitpicking because what Murray did against the Lakers, what Gordon look, I don't like I don't love Michael Porter Jr. all the time. I, I I think this is who he is. You know, he's an incredible shot maker, but can be really frustrating because he's gets a little one dimensional with everything. But it kind of doesn't matter because because Jokic is just in control. Like you talk about the Clippers getting good looks every time, and it's true. But like if you were to tell me, okay, I, w- I want a great possession, there's no one I'm taking over Jokic. Like ever, there's always close. 
there always ends up being a good look. He controls the game. And I know we'll get to this, you know, because I was in Denver for I was in Colorado for like eight days and then stopped in Denver to watch him play the Wizards on the last night I was in town. But I just told him, I was like, whatever, it's the Wizards. Who cares? I go, I'm only going to watch Jokic. That's all I'm going to do. I don't care what the score is. By the yeah. way, the scoreboard at the Ball Arena is the busiest scoreboard I've ever seen in my entire life. So I still couldn't figure it out. But you're you're just when you really we've all watched Jokic for years. But when you're like, hey, I'm determined to only see what he's doing. It just opens up all these other things that I think we're all aware of because he's so special, but it's just stupid. It's stupid how good he is when he isn't even shooting or touching the ball. Well, you just segued into uh, what we're going to do after the break. Our list, 2024, best guys to see in person coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, best guys to see in person. This was inspired by you seeing Jokic and Wembenyama in back-to-back nights. And before we went to break, you talked about you can go see Jokic in person and just watch Jokic the entire time. And it's like going to a, you know, a concert where you're like, I'm just going to watch you know, going to like Van Halen in the early eighties. You're like, I'm just going to watch Eddie Van Halen and nobody else. I'm just going to stare at him for three hours and just see what he does and try to learn some stuff. Um, Jokic is the guy for that now. And there's only been a couple, really a couple guys in the history of the league that I think hit that level where you're like, I don't, I'm not going to watch anybody else who's on the court except for this guy. And you're still going to have like an incredible time. So we're not doing a draft. We're just going to do our list. I made a list from I did one to 10, actually. I told you to do one to five, but you can add a couple if you want. But Right, mid-season form. Yeah, I changed, I changed the segment without telling you. Um, but I'm happy to stick with five. So we're just going to alternate our number one, go down number two, all that. But your number one is Jokic? Yeah, it's Jokic. Um, can, you, can you let me do this here? And I won't do this as long as everybody else. I promise. I know how much you love when I, when I go a little long. But I'm just going to tell you, is this a Rosillo log? Yeah. Just and it's I'm, it's I'm the, just gonna sit here. I got my I got my Michael Jordan dream team cup. Is that near mint condition? 
Oh, I have, a, I have the whole set. I was going to break out some Christian Leitner today, but I think I'm going to wait until a later episode when we really need the energy. But I got my Michael Jordan. I got some water. You go. You do your thing. I'm a little surprised. Like It's almost like Christian Leitner's mom walked so Taylor Swift could run. Because <laughs> like, if you are mad about Taylor Swift cutaways, if you were around yeah. for Leitner's mom during the tournament, yeah, you would have just like, blown your brains out. Like You yeah. wouldn't have been able to handle it if, if the Taylor Swift ISOs get you this upset. All right, so Jokic against the Wizards, who, by the way, I think may have used all their timeouts in the first half. I mean, it was it was atrocious. And it was kind of funny, too, because Jokic is like, these guys suck. I'm just going to do stuff. Okay. Well, like that's, but that's it was what Bird and, Bird and Magic used to be like that, too, in the 80s. Like, these guys suck. I'm going to just <laughs> just try some shit. <laughs> that's exactly how it felt. Like, they were helpless. All right, so. Was this Jokic, the game where he threw the 80-foot 80, 80 alley-oop? Yeah, and I was at that basket that he threw it at. Yeah, and you could—he caught it one, rebounded one hand, never touched the ball with his other hand, and just threw it, and it was perfect. I mean, it was—it was absolutely perfect. Eighty feet in stride, <laughs> Gordon gets a layup, and it was like a touch pass. So, here are the early <laughs> possessions, and I, I promise you, I'm—I'm I'm not going to spend. I'll, I'll make this as quick as I can. All right, so he comes down. It's a pin down screen to the left side to free somebody up to get the ball. Then he goes block to block to come up, gets a post touch in the paint, double team, throws it out to end, uh, Michael Porter Jr. for a corner three. All right. Then he runs a two-man game of Michael Porter Jr. He screens, then re-screens kind of, but it's more of him just getting in the way. And then he rolls off of that, gets it, and then hits the floater. Then he has a brush screen handoff. Then he gets it back in the same possession, kicks it out uh, to a three. Then he decides, like, you know what? They're they're not they're going to throw it back at me. Um, he reposts because he has Koulibaly against him, and he looks around almost like, "Are you seriously not going to double and let Koulibaly defend me now with a paint touch?" All right, fuck it. Hook shot goes in. He gets another post touch in the paint. KCP kicks it out wide open three on a jump pass where he jumps in the air, and you anybody else, you're like, "Oh my god, that's going to be a turnover." And he knew already where everybody was. It was fine. Uh, the next play, he's pointing to the other saying, I don't want the ball. So he sets a back screen and then another kind of pin down. And then Michael Porter Jr. gets it. But Jokic decides to like still move down, trailing the play. So the defender having to deal with Michael Porter Jr. can't co totally commit to Michael Porter Jr. because he's worried about Jokic's movement on the left side. And then Michael Porter Jr. hits the floater. Next possession, back screen for Murray, layup, never even touches the basketball. Um, then there's the one handed, one handed pass that he throws to Aaron Gordon, like a quarterback. Then on an inbounds play, he's not inbounding. He's not the target for the inbound pass. He sets up screen. The wizards are so stupid. They don't even know what's going on, <laughs> but he already knows what's happening. And he looks to be like, I'm just going to kind of get in the way here. Wide open three, Michael Porter Jr. He hits it. That's the first six minutes of the game, Bill. That's my point. He leads the league in touches. 100 touches per game. That's how many times he touches a basketball in a game. All right. He's but 20th. each touch is like a split second. Okay. Great, great point. Because he's, <laughs> if you look at the top touch guys, right? Sabonis is second in the NBA. Luka is third. Luka's third with 92 touches per game. Jokic, the 100 touches, leads the league. His average time he has the ball on those touches is 2.8 seconds. Luca's at 5.6 seconds. Ooh, so here's Jokic. Right. Here's Jokic with 100 touches a game, but he's 20th in usage. He screens. He re-screens. He doesn't even want to shoot, it feels like, half the night. 
I cannot, like, I can't get over how impressive it is that he's that talented. His hands are perfect. His feet are just amazing. Like, I know he's not the most athletic guy. Even watching him scramble on defense, it actually looks worse than it actually is because he's, he's like working to be in position and show and recover. But the way he just moves, he already looks like he's out of breath and it's bad, but he's actually in better position than he gets credit for. For six minutes, all he wanted to do was get everybody involved. And it's the yeah. best way to play basketball. That's why we ride with Jokic. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I would add this. He solves stuff during the games while also kind of seeming like he's trying to fuck with the other team, especially if it's an inferior team, which I think makes them during garbage time so much fun. Um, I don't see how this gets worse as the season goes along, whatever is happening with him. Because it feels like they'll go on a little run, they'll get ready. And I'm just watching this, hoping they play the Lakers in round one and the Clippers in round two or round three so we get to have them come into L.A. and go get to see him a bunch of times. Because I had an absolute blast going to the Nuggets-Lakers games last year. He's my favorite player to watch in the league, and it's not even really close. So we have the same number one. I also want to mention, when you see him in person, you realize how he kind of busts his ass on some of those fast breaks. Like, he's not like, I'm taking this playoff, I'm taking that playoff. Like, if there's a turnover, a transition, he runs and he fills the lane, even though he's like kind of lumbering around with that weird Jokic stride, but he really does like put the time in trying to fill lanes, being a trailer. He um, also, he wants to get the ball up the court. So even when yeah. he clears it out of the rebound or somebody throws him the first outlet, he'll throw up another pass. So like if he decided, hey, I'm bringing the ball up every single time, I'm stopping and I'm going to set up the offense. But it, it just makes me wonder, like even though Denver you know, is the four seed. It's also bunched up. So there's not like this is huge, massive difference between, man, you guys really like the four seed here. I mean, if you look at where they were at going into last night, they were third, or excuse me, into tonight, 38 and 19. Last year, they were 39 and 18. Yeah. Their offensive numbers have dipped as far as where they rank 12th this year, fifth last year, but it's the same output. It's just the entire league is up. Um, and the defense this year is actually the same number, but it's ranked higher because again, the offense has gone up. But it makes everybody want to play. And you know you can't really stop paying attention at any point because he might yeah. throw you the ball. And if you cut, you're going to be rewarded. If you screen for him, he might screen for you. And he'll set three screens. I mean, he's fourth in screen assist in the NBA. And when you look at that number in comparison to who else is in those top 10, it's not guys winning an MVP. <laughs> so when I look at like him or a Steph and it kind of gets back to like my frustration with certain teams and what am I going to let the regular season trick me into believing I go is, is the solution is the common thread here you know, with all those warriors teams and whatever that like, Hey, it's, it's constant movement. It's being tougher to guard. It's, it's continuing to cut and screen yeah. for guys. Cause there's some special, special players in this league. They can get buckets whenever they want. But then I go, yeah, but that guy will never set a screen. Like once he's out of the play, that's it. My job is done. Jokic never looks at the game that way. Yeah, it's almost more like hockey. He had that. He also does things during the game that I've never seen before. Like he had a play today when he had Gordon on the left and it was a fast break. And he faked off like he was going to pass to Gordon and then did a two-step like he was going to do a floater. And he started doing the floater. And then at the last second, he actually did throw to Gordon. I was like, what just happened? Was that a travel? <laughs> was that legal? How did he do, do that? Do you know how many times I think it's going to be an up and down and it never is? It never is. It he never Because it's, it's never going to be. You're right. Because he knows where the pass is going. But the starting point, like watching him play defense live, 
He came out and blitzed on the pick and roll, stayed with the ball handler, then retreated to the corner. But then there was somebody else there. So he had to like run across the paint to close off the guy in the opposite baseline. And he threw his hands up in the air and just started like waving them around. And it just yeah. the only thing I could think of would be like you're going out to dinner with a buddy who'd been golfing all day and you'd go, hey, are you drunk? And he'd be like, no, I, I actually I haven't had a drink. <laughs> be like, oh, OK, well, you're. You're acting, you're not drunk. You're like, no, I just got to dinner. I didn't drink at golf today. Like, what are you talking about? Like, the way, if you were to just watch, if you would never watch Jokic before, now granted, in the offensive stuff, you figure it out. But I also realized like why this guy went in the second round. Because there's times where he moves around, you're like, what, what is he doing? Like, what's going on there? And you're like, it, actually, he's in position. Yeah, there's he a just, method to the he, madness. He visually doesn't look as special as all these other superior athletes that we had in the league. Well, if he wins the MVP in the title this year, and I assume he'll be first team all NBA, which would give him four. So last six years, he would have six, four first, two second all team NBAs, all NBAs, two MVPs, two finals, two titles, which is putting him on pace to go into that final group, the, the, the Pantheon. Like he's what's your top pyramid again? He's level f level five is the last level, and he's starting to sniff it a little bit. It's like, wait, what's what's going Who's, on? How many There's people are on, door? How many people are on level five right now? Fifteen. Sixteen. Fifteen or sixteen. I can't remember. Who 15, was like maybe. fifteen and sixteen? Uh, Durant, I I've had him. He he was in level five, and then we sent him back to level four. And I, I don't know where I don't know where he's gonna end up. He's right there. He's 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 in a door. He gets to basically he has a cot in level five, but he has his apartments in level four. But he gets to go up and see everybody in level five every once in a while, um, which is rare, I imagine. I had to, um, I, I, I I told you I didn't want to shoot my wad with 17 segment ideas because we're going to be together every Sunday. But there's a best players of the last 10 years argument that Jokic is getting closer. We'll do it another time. Uh, all right. I'll I'll go second with my second favorite guy to see in person. It's still Curry. I still like if he's in town, I want to go. And if I don't go, I'm like, oh man, I, sh I probably should have gone to see Curry. I don't know how many more years he has left at this level. You know, it's like one of those. It's like, oh, pick a favorite band. Oh, they're in town again. Ah, I saw him last year. I don't know. Ah, but then, then you don't go and you're like, oh man, I probably should have gone. What if they break up? I don't know how many more couriers are left, but um, he's another one where you can just watch him the entire game, watch how he moves, watch how his teammates try to do those little handoff, you know, thingies with them and just how he uses his body, how he uses his body in traffic. I never get old. So never gets old for me. So I, I have him second. Who'd you have second? Steph. Okay. We don't need to talk about Steph. I, I feel like no. we've spent 10,000 hours. So... Here's where it gets interesting. You just saw this guy in person. Is Wemby your number three? Not yet. No. Okay. Who's but your number was, three? It's Ant. Oh, okay. Make the case. Look, I know he sucked the other night against Milwaukee. Um, but the missed dunk he had in the lane was probably one of my favorite highlights of the week. Uh, I just... You know, I, I hate to say it reminds me of somebody, mm. but he does he does move like him a little. Yeah, Let's just not even yeah. say his name. Yeah. And it's it's not even fair to 
Ant or the other guy that we're talking about. There's just some stuff when he and his passing on these deep drives is getting better and better. Like it's not out of nowhere. You could see some glimpses. And I do think sometimes these drive passes, we give him almost too much credit for because it's like, hey, the guys are all stationed where they're supposed to be stationed. But there's times where he's getting a pass out to a corner or to the break where I'm like, how did he even get that out there? So I think just the physical moments with him, just the like top 1% athleticism with him and to tie it into that it's been one of the best teams in the league this year that I would have Ant three. I know, I know you don't want to mention him. We're not trying to put this on him. Kobe reminded everybody the most of Jordan. And in some ways was, was doing like a really great Jordan impersonation, even like mimicking how he shot. It was like, well, how about the way he talked? Like the cadence, yeah. it was, that was almost like weird, but. Well, it was like when we did, uh, we did Creed in Philly and for rewatchables with the live thing. Creed has that scene when, when uh, Donnie is watching the second Balboa Creed fight and he gets up in front of the TV and he starts mimicking all of Creed's punches and movements in it. And then you see the TV behind him and he's doing exactly, that's like the level Kobe was at with Jordan. Like he tried to mirror so many things that Jordan did. So he would be number one. I, Wade always, I thought, had some MJ in him before his knees started to go, like the second Miami year. But if you watch, especially him in 2009 when he had nobody, but he he was, I thought, the closest from all the stuff he did to Jordan. Because, you know, he didn't really shoot threes. He just tried to get to the rim. He had that pull-up game. And then Edwards, there is moments where you get you get a little deja MJ. Like, oh, that look. Plus, he carries himself like the fucking alpha. Like, I'm the best looking person in this building. I'm the best athlete in this building. I am completely unafraid of the other team. Uh, don't trash talk me. I'll get upset. Like, hey, there's some, there's just some elements. Yeah. And then, you know, after the, they had beaten the Clippers, and, you know, you can take all these top teams, be like, hey, what about that outcome? What about that outcome? Right. Yeah. I thought that win for them was huge. And, you know, the way the Clippers had just been beating on everybody for two straight months. Yeah. But then the weird part about like calling out the Clippers and them being old. And then when Kawhi was asked about it, Kawhi almost like downplayed it. And I yeah. don't know if that's just Kawhi who doesn't want to talk to anybody or if there was any element of it being like, I'll let Ant mess with us. Like, I'll let that guy mess with us because he's him. Uh, and I don't mean that in the meme way. And then the other funny thing from All Star Weekend <laughs> was everyone can't like they cannot wait to show off their fits and he's in a hoodie like I don't even care <laughs> right I actually was hoping he'd be the guy who's like I'm gonna be the one guy that cares about the all-star game but he actually went the other way he's like yeah I care the least actually you think Luca and Jokic care the least? it's actually me I care the least um okay <laughs> my number three is uh is Wemby just because it's new. There's a new car smell to it. But the Did you stuff go on Friday? I didn't go on Friday and I regret it because I had some parent stuff. But uh, I What's am excited to see him do his thing. And especially it feels like he's starting to put together the off the ball stuff. The I'm not really involved in this play. Oh, wait, I am. Oh, you, you can see the other team is starting to really think about him profoundly when they're within like 25 feet of the basket. He's starting all the stuff that was frustrating about him in summer league in the beginning of the year where it's like, dude, you're seven foot five. Just, just kind of traffic cop the rim a little bit more. Like you're not a small forward. Like stop with that. You're seven foot five. 
it feels like he's figured out that part. And then there's so much in his game that's just terrible right now. Like he, like his pull-up jumpers are awful. And I think he might have the lowest pull-up jumper field goal percentage of the league. But then there's some fluid, you know, like spin moves and stuff in traffic and he's dunking and you don't even realize he had a chance to dunk and he's not even jumping. And I just haven't seen enough of it yet. I wish I liked watching his team more. But I want to see him in person a couple more times this season. Yeah, in person, it's a, it's a different experience. Yeah, I so mean, what'd the, you see? Tell us. Well, you could see just there were different times when guys in the Lakers, like Austin Reeves got caught on a screen once with him, and it was just like, what? Like, this <laughs> is, are you kidding me? I'm supposed to get through this? Can you give me a broom? And then Reeves thought he had him on the left side for a layup, and I love that he tried, but it was, it was like Wemby almost as he was going up, he's like, are you seriously going to try to do this? Okay, whatever. Yeah. I'm taking this. He stripped LeBron in transition, which I couldn't believe. You're like, what? Um, there's just the rest of it's almost <laughs> more fun watching the moments of everybody else that's on the court and the opponent. Being right. Like, Reacting what? to the experience of playing against yeah. Wemby. Yeah. Are you serious? And then, you know, in the second half, guys just aborting and like they'll beat their man off the dribble. And they go, whatever, like, I'm just going to curl. I'm going to curl back around. And when you add up all the blocks and the steals and all that, those numbers, and he went, by the way, he went crazy in the first few minutes. And it was funny kind of just sitting in the stands because for so many people, it's the first time they've ever seen him. And then like other people that aren't super into the NBA, they, they think they're watching an alien. And you yeah. can hear like somebody asking the boyfriend being like, who, what, how old is this guy? What's his deal? Like, oh, yeah. he's this French kid. And then they're like, how old is he? And you know, somebody else would be like, oh, I think he's like 25. And you're like, oh, wow, he's, he's going to be good. <laughs> and somebody else is like, no, he's he's 20. Yeah. No, you he's, he's going to be the best part of his generation. So he lit it up. I mean, I think he had 11 points in like his first his first rotation there of like six minutes or something because he was hitting threes on top of everything else. But there's usually like every few possessions, there's a moment where he's the only guy in the world and can do the stuff that he's doing. So him being fourth, I don't have a problem with. I just, I think because the new part of it and wondering what it'll be like that night, I can't imagine being a Spurs season ticket. The, the number of things that you've seen through this course of the season with him is just stuff you've never seen before. So, yeah. So you have him fourth. You know what? I'll put him down fourth. I mean, I'm not okay. trying to mirror you here, but I had a first. Look, I, I landed in, in LA and had been gone for eight days. And in a million, a million, like, I'm not going to a basketball game that night. And instead it was Wemby and I was like, I'm in. Right. You know, one thing that I've been impressed by watching him a little more where I was really having trouble watching them, but lately they've been more fun to watch. He's less clumsy is not the wrong word, but you know, how Porzingis has three times a game where you're convinced his season's about to be over. Yeah. Like he jumps, he lands in traffic or he hits knees with somebody or he has like a stumble and you're like, oh no, uh. Wemby doesn't have as many of those as I thought he would. I thought it would be a little clumsier, but he's really coordinated. I don't know how to explain it. He's just, he, he seems like, it's almost like a ballet dancer. He knows kind of where to land and where to go and he he avoids... Avoids trouble more than I thought with that stuff. Because usually the tall guys, they're just a constant, you know, some sort of dumb, stupid, knocking knee, knocking knees into somebody's hip or uh, stepping on a foot or whatever. He doesn't really have them. My number four um, is still Giannis. I still have Giannis in my top four. 
uh, for going to see in person just because I love how hard he plays. And he is one of those that in person feels different than on TV. In person, you get the size, you get the crazy, like his crazy length with his arms. And um, he does have those moments where you're like, fucking hey, how does anybody stay in front of this guy? So it, I'd still enjoy seeing him and I would have him fourth. Yeah, basically um, everything we just said about Wemby, like it, it's not like Giannis isn't, it's pretty close to the same experience. Yeah. Like sitting there for the in-season tournament games and seeing it live and having those seats, there's just, it's the same thing. We were like, I can't, I can't believe the guy picks up his dribble from there and is at the rim. And there's just moments where you're helpless. Like the opponent, you're absolutely helpless against them because and when he's, he's really trying, you're always like, man, how did, how are they going to beat this guy when he's trying like this? It's always like surprising. All right. Who do you have for number five? Uh, probably Ben Simmons. Cause it's such a treat. Just to watch somebody dribble the ball up the court. No, because he's playing. So you're like, and then hey, he's run, back. run under the basket. I've set my notifications to next offseason for the Ben Simmons is back summer. Um, I'll probably go with. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go with it. I wrote it down. I think Zion in person, even though the time we saw wow. him in person, it was terrible. <laughs> you can't quit Zion. <laughs> I can't. I can't. He had Point, a great block down the stretch today. Yeah, they lost, though. They lost. I, I can't figure that team out. They have the guys back, and then they lose. Well, they didn't have a point guard tonight. They didn't have McCollum, and then Alvarado got suspended. So it was like Herb Jones and Ingram and Zion bringing the ball up. Yeah, but they get smoked by Miami. At one point, I think I, late in the second yeah. quarter, they were 8% from three, and Miami was 64%. Like Every time I want to get excited about them. But I'll just tell you, as far as watching it, yeah. Point Zion is is still one of my favorite things to watch in the league. So there okay. you go. I have SGA number five. I really had an absolute ball watching him in person earlier this season against the Clippers. And I want to see him again. I hope, you know, it's fun because both Laker, both LA teams are on play for playoff series. And I really hope OKC is going to be one of them. But his herky-jerky stuff that he does, I'm not tired of it yet. So I had him, I had Durant six and I had Edwards seven. So I gave SGA the nod. You'd rather Durant, watch SGA than Ant? <sighs> yeah. I, listen, top seven is solid. It's not, it's not like I kicked him He's the, the better curb. player, which no one, no sane person would debate, but I don't know about that. I like watching how cool and calm and efficient he is, how he runs that team that's just as young team that should have no business being on pace to have like 58 wins. And then in crunch time, he takes over everything. But I also, I have a little bit of a personal connection because I watched him as a rookie. So when I see him now, I'm just like, I love basketball and I talk about it and write and used to write about it for a living. And I did not see any sign that this was going to happen. So when I'm watching, I'm like, how did I not know this? And they, so I, I'm going back almost to that 2018 season. Like, man, I just thought this guy was going to be like a really good defender and knock down some open threes. How did I miss this? But I think everybody feels that way. Although Doc's now taking credit for seeing it the whole time, which he did on, on my podcast. Um, and I do think Doc tried to talk them out of throwing him in that trade. I do think that's legitimate. Twitter doesn't like Doc. So yeah. I think even if Doc, Doc had a point to make, it just was going to turn into the same thing like when LeBron 
says, you know, but LeBron yeah. has I LeBron has some bad ones on his resume as far as pointing. I don't think Doc He's is the league that leader world. in the club. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, Doc's okay. up there though. We didn't pick Luca. Are we so okay, are we so conditioned to how absurd he is that we're taking it for granted and we're not we you didn't even put him in your top seven? I had him eight. Okay. It's it's the mono ball that I just you and I are aligned on that. The heliocentric. I don't like watching. I actually I thought I thought about putting Kyrie over him from the standpoint of when you see Kyrie in person and, and he actually cares, it's always amazing. Like you just see things like no, oh, that nobody else in the league can do that. Oh, he just went into the lane and just did a a running lefty layup that he lofted off the shot clock and it went in. Um but I don't like the I don't like when one guy has the ball all the time. I felt that way with Harden. I felt that way with Westbrook. I feel that way with Luca. I know it's working. I know he's unbelievable. But it's just not for me. It's not my kind of basketball. Where is Luca on your MVP ballot? Let me look. Cause I actually did it. I had a little MVP list. Um and I'm top five. So is that SGA two behind Jokic? I have Jokic, SGA, Luca, Giannis, and Tatum, a distant fifth. And that people are trying to get some Tatum MVP stuff going. It's like, come on. I I I love the Celtics. I would never in a million years make the case for him. Yeah, the Tatum it's, push it's a ridiculous been weird argument. The last couple, I don't know. It's not is it a week or something? And I look, he said he was the best. And that's fine. Look, that's what you're supposed to do. I think the weird part for Tatum is that, you know, I went on Cowherd's show and he was kind of knocking him a little bit. I was like, look, if you want him to be one of the top four guys, I'll I'll tell you that you're right. You know, but where he's at is pretty good. And if the Celtics find a way to pull it out this summer, then, you know, the shows that next morning will say like, hey, is he actually the best player in the world? I just, there's no way a full season from Jokic I could ever fathom voting for Tatum over Jokic. There's not I even, I don't even think I'd vote for Tatum over Doncic. If you're doing that as a segment on your show, then that means it was a boring week. We're going to take a break and uh, come back with another segment. This episode is brought to you by Robinhood. Is your money striking out when it comes to your financial future? You work hard for your money. Your money should work hard for you. Robinhood pioneered commission-free stock trading over a decade ago, and they continue to offer innovative products to help you maximize your money's potential. With over 23 million funded customers, Robinhood is helping people build a better financial future. With Robinhood, you can run up the score and make investments toward your future goals, like investing for retirement, finally getting those season tickets, or visiting every football stadium in the country. As far as long-term investments, it's smart to have a game plan. A small amount invested now could make a big difference 30 years down the road. Up your financial game. Take control of your future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com slash Bill Simmons. That's me. To learn more, Robinhood.com slash Bill Simmons. Disclosure, investing involves risk and loss of principal is possible. Returns are not guaranteed. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, 
You want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right. This segment is called, Which Playoff Team Is Gonna Trick Me? This was your idea. It's inspired by the Cleveland Cavaliers of last year, who everybody got excited about as, oh man, you, I know they're young, but who knows? And then the Knicks just punched them right in the mouth and knocked them out of the playoffs. And, uh, and that was that. So we have just an unusual, unusually high slew of candidates for this this year. I won't, I'll read all the candidates after, but I'll just ask you, um, which team do you think out of all the obvious suspects, which one is going to trick you? Who, who do you have your guard up with right now? Okay. Well, are we talking like real contenders or, cause we could just pivot this into Cleveland right now. All right. Listen, Cleveland, it can be whatever you want. Which playoff team is going to trick you? Is either, oh, I think they'll they'll win a couple rounds and they fall on their face in round one, or, oh, I think that team, like the Clippers, oh, I think they could actually win the finals, and then they're down 3-1 in round one. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I fucking fell for this. <laughs> so I I had a stretch. This is pretty classic for me, where as soon as I point something out, the opposite happens. Yeah. And yet I always feel better about the long play of the thing I said. Okay. It's kind of like my Tua looks like a backup. Like Tua looks like a backup. And the next thing you know, he like, I think he threw for like 500 yards against Baltimore the next week or something. And long term, you know, it was, it was a far more reasonable approach. Um, even though, look, he's, he's probably going to be started for a while. Right. So you get my point. So when I did, a big Oklahoma City ran about how amazing they were. Then they lost some games. And then I did a big love fest for the Knicks. Now, granted, they're still missing Randall and OG, so it's a little different. But they yeah, had gone on this tear. Um, you know, the Clippers, I don't look at them. I have look at them finally, like, losing a couple games after having that, what were they, 27-6? and six? They just, I mean, when they beat the shit out of Boston the way they did, I thought that was the most impressive single-game ass-kicking yeah. of any game that we saw this season, especially when you factor in schedule and everything that happened in time off before. So I felt guilty also, to use the word again, about not really doing any kind of deep-dive 10-minute monologue on the Cavs. They went from 18 and 15 to 35 and 16, 17 and one from January 3rd to February 10th. I watched a bunch of those games. Garland Mobley only played seven games out of those 18. Mitchell, who I wanted to vote an all-star starter, but he had played 30 games in comparison to like where Brunson and Maxey were at. So I just couldn't do it, even though I thought his numbers were better. And the entire time that I watched them, I went, I know I'm supposed to say, hey, look out for the Cavs or we need to talk about the Cavs more. But I just couldn't get there. And yeah. I don't know if it's because of being tricked by them in the playoffs last year, thinking they had this back. Yeah. So I don't know what they could do for me to go. Yeah, I could see them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Although, considering they went 17 and one, but, you know, the other thing that happens too, and this is a pretty common thing, is you go fill in the blank fan base, has like a nice two or three weeks 
They get pissed that none of the national the guys chests are, are out. Chests right. get puffed. Right. They yeah. get real chesty for like two or three weeks. Yeah. And then I'll dig in and go, yeah, I don't know. It might just be the schedule. You, you might just be home a lot. And, you know, Cleveland over that stretch. Oh, my God. Cleveland had like seven <laughs> or eight cream puff games. Didn't they play Washington three times? Of the 18 games, they played 10 non-playing teams in the standings as of today. Yeah. So they played. They, it was a who's who of shitty teams for one stretch there. And then they lost that Philly game right after the Buddy Heel trade, which was like, I think it was a Monday night. It was on NBA TV. Well, they were due. They were probably due yeah. to lose to somebody at some point because like 17 and one is still 17 and one. But I feel like because of last year, I was like, it doesn't matter. And the weirdest part, too, that Mobley and Garland missed. 11 of those games during that streak. So then it's like, wait, is something else baked into this? Or was it, you know, them finding a way to get a bunch of these wins and not the toughest part of the schedule? But see, then when I bring up the strength of schedule part of it, it's like, dude, they still went 17 and one back off. But I guess I well, never and they did caught, that segment. They caught Milwaukee three times, right? As Milwaukee's coach thing was unfolding. Um, they might be the two seed, ironically. They're number one in net rating in the last 20 games. Milwaukee's going to catch them, right? They have to. I, I said might. They have a chance. They have a chance to hold off Milwaukee. Milwaukee's had a really good weekend. Um, the the weird thing to me, and I don't know if this is going to change now that all these guys are back, but you would think their best lineup, Cleveland, is Mitchell and Garland with Struess, with Mobley and Allen, right? That's like their crunch time. Those are the five guys heading into this year. Those were the five. And they're, they're plus four net rating and not, not even close to being one of their best lineups. And I don't really know... I was looking, I was on their, I was on their site at NBA.com and I was doing two man and three man and four man. I was like, what's, if we take out this guy, what happens? If we take out this guy, what happens? For whatever reason, those five guys haven't played well together. And if they're not going to play well together the rest of the year, I don't know how they're going to win like two playoff series. Cause I think that's their best lineup. Um, there's a but world that was, where that Mobley's was other- not in the best lineup. Yeah, that was the other realization, though, that we had last year. You go, I wonder if in the playoffs where this whole two-headed monster with the bigs and these amazing defensive numbers that they had, you know, over that, that stretch just of goes. Those, over the stretch of those 18 games, they were the number three offense. They were the number one defense. Their net rating was number one. They were plus 17 in net rating when they went 17 and one. New York was number two at plus 11. That's a massive, massive gap in a net rating number. And I... Go back to some of the times where it looked like they got so stuck on offense. It's like, wait, if you have two bigs that no one's afraid of defending, does that ruin what you should be? You replace Mobley with like Wade or that Levert. Sounds, that, Anybody that make who, any sense. who could shoot. Yeah, right. But, but it might be it might be true. But it, it's that, it's two like, guards with Allen and two shooters, and maybe that's their best lineup. Which you know, if Mobley's not going to be in their best lineup when we get to the playoffs and all that, then that opens the door for like. Hey, we're gonna give this guy two hundred fifty million. He couldn't even couldn't even be out there at crunch time. I'm still a believer. I'm not selling my Mobley stock, but to me, it's more of a question of can you play Mobley and Allen together? We're still not positive that that could be a playoff successful thing. I'm gonna give right, but Mobley's definitely an adjusted ceiling guy. Okay, and yeah, if he's not gonna be able to shoot, then that's a game changer because if he's, you know, if if he's just an around the rim offensive rebounds defense guy. And That's by the not way, what like, I signed up for. I know people will throw his his February numbers at us, the shooting numbers, because he's fifty seven yeah. percent from three. That's on one and a half attempts per game. Yeah. So you know, okay, that's settled. That's 
really cool <laughs> that that number looks good, but it's not actually like something that's happening. My playoff trick team is the Dallas Mavericks, who uh, we have me and Sal and House and Hench. We put a little, uh, we did a little division bet on them. I got excited about them. And then I watched Indiana just spread them out and annihilate them today uh, with multiple guards. And, you know, Luca and Kyrie together are at almost 60 points a game when they both play, which is a lot, even in this adjusted weird, weird world we live of basketball stats. But, um, you know, some I just thinking about them in a playoff series and Exum's out there, Josh Green and a rookie center playing, you know, in the seventh, eighth month of his year. Gafford has never been in a big series before. PJ Washington, who I don't even really like. Um, and I wonder if maybe I overreacted to some of their February stuff. Because the Indian game, now granted one game, but it, I just wonder about them defensively against the wrong team. Um, with that said, I do like watching them more than I ever did. But th this feels like a trick team because I think they're going to catch New Orleans and win the division. They're probably going to be a five seed, would be my guess. Um. And I think they'll get some buzz as a sleeper. It's like, oh, if you don't want to take anyone in the top four, what about Dallas? They got Luka. He's a top five player in the world. And now they have two guys who can rim roll and they have some shooting. And Kyrie, watch out for him in the playoffs. And I could just see myself getting sucked in, is my point. Yeah, it's a good pick. Um, they went from eight and two to 11 and eight to 26 and 23 to now 33 and 23 before the Pacers lost where the Pacers just smoked them in the fourth quarter um, today. Like Kyrie really got it going early in the fourth and it didn't really matter. Um, defensively, you know, it just, it's just not good enough. Even though when you look at their numbers since January 1st, across the board, they're not like crazy impressive. They're 11th on offense, 13th on defense. Kyrie's shooting numbers have been terrific. I mean, Doncic, there's just no, there's no part of any breakdown of him where you're not like this, you know, he's, he's incredible. And I like Gafford a lot and their, their lack of depth, they could probably use a PJ Washington, even if you don't really love him. But the problem for them is when you start like really digging into how well they've done, they've played more home games than any top eight team in either conference. Yeah. All right. And they're also at 15 and 19. That's the worst record against 500 and above teams in the West. So of the top eight teams in the West, we know it's 10 with a plan. They have the worst record against the best teams. And that usually tells me like, okay. Never a good sign. Right. And they had some, you know, they beat, they beat the Knicks after Randall got hurt. They got to play the Wizards. They got to play the Spurs. You know, they're they, seventeen and six in clutch games too, which is okay. Is that because Luca gets you the best single look at a bucket? Which I so think that's is, the case right. for them though. The or case is, for them is two guys who can score at the end of games, and if they could just keep it close in the last four minutes, now you're matching baskets with Luca and Kyrie, which is a problem. And by the way, in a playing game, I'd be scared to death of Luca. I'd be more scared of Luca than Phoenix in a playing game. Agree. So, which playoff team is going to trick me going the other way? I'm just down on New Orleans and Phoenix, and I, I feel like I'm, I might be reverse tricked. I just don't believe in Phoenix. I know they won tonight. Nurkic was really good. Nurkic also sucked two nights ago. 
Uh, Beal's been hurt three different times. You know, I, I, I just don't totally see it. I know they have two potential all NBA guys, but I just don't see it. And then New Orleans is the other one. I, just New Orleans in close games, I can't do it. I've just watched it too many times. I'm not going to trust them. So they, I might get burned by both of those teams. Is my point because I, I'm, I, I don't trust either team. Um, you're more down on New Orleans than I am, but I think the argument is stronger in your favor because, like I said, like they've missed guys in certain points, and it's sometimes I'll be like, are they better when they don't have all their guys? And you're right, like missing both guards tonight after the the fight against Miami. Um, yeah. You know, you never know with Chicago. Chicago's in tight games literally all season long. It's it's a joke how many close games they've been in the last couple of weeks. But it started to feel like Phoenix had turned the corner. You know, when they beat Milwaukee, you know, they lose to uh, Golden State on the Curry shot. They beat Sacramento. And then this last week wasn't great until the win against LA today. But I don't know what to do with any of their numbers. To me, they're all irrelevant. They're 14-8 and eight into the 22 games with KD, Booker, and Beal. So mm. if 22 games is what I have to go on, I haven't seen enough. So I can't, I cannot write them off because I think Royce O'Neal was terrific today. He's like a real guy for them with their rotation. And, you know, there's times where I think they can get a little too mismatch hunty with it. But I thought they were missing good shots when it looked like Lakers were going to get back into this game tonight, where it was like, okay, you know, try to get D'Angelo Russell into anything with Durant, um, try to get Austin Reeves on Booker. But ultimately, it comes down to can those guys win their mismatch? without Beal and then the shooting of Neil and Allen and Allen's knocking down everything. And then it's just up to Nurkic to try to keep the other guy honest, even though it felt I did like not see Davis. the, I did not see the grace and Allen turning into the best shooter in the league thing happening. He's been I feel awesome. Like every, every time he takes a shot, I think it's going in now. Like today I, I thought I, every shot he took, I thought was, he was making it. It makes you wonder like some of these, you don't want to call him late bloomers because he was a first round pick. Like he had, he was in some games. He had some success. It's not like he came out of nowhere. But these shooters who have scoring a scoring background in college, they get to the pros, they get pigeonholed a little bit. But then they'll they'll something different will happen with them in their in their late twenties, and they'll start. It happened to JJ too, right? Remember JJ was on Orlando forever, and we were I think kind that of waiting was more for him the, to get going. Yeah, I don't I don't know. The coach did him any favors then because he didn't want to play Yeah, that's him. true. But, but you know, he, he just, he, to me, I, I couldn't shake the Celtics series out of my head where it was like, please keep Grayson Allen out there. Every minute he plays is good for the Celtics. And I think he's been a real asset for Phoenix. I still don't trust, I don't trust Nurkic to stay healthy. Yeah, I think he passed his career game high of the last six years, either today or in the, in the next game. Um, I just don't, I don't see it with them. It feels like something's missing. And I know that uh, that's terrible analysis. But when I watch them, I just don't see them in like the Western finals. And but I don't there's really no, know what I'd change. I, the fact that they don't have a point guard, I don't love. Like somebody like. I, but a point guard would get in the way of what they're doing. I, I, I get Booker's it. Booker's so good. And Booker had to play point guard in the past. Like I think that's one of Booker's great strengths is when they were bad and they you know, remember when they went from like three point guards to none in a couple months? Is that good for him, though? I think it was good for his development of who he is now. But I'm saying right now, at this point in his career, I'd kind of rather have somebody set me up than having to run the offense through me. I don't know. 
I don't know. I just think he's so good at coming off a screen and keeping somebody on his hip and then finding a way to pull up and it's just unstoppable. Like his footwork getting into his mid-range jumpers and the way he figures out space and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes I wonder like if a point guard would get in the way of all those things. And I think the whole point was that Beal initiates, Durant initiates, Booker initiates. So why would you have a point guard unless he was somebody that was just an incredible shooter? But I get it. I, I don't. Like you could, hey, there's this number in the fourth quarter numbers, which is super alarming with them. So it was nice to see them hold off the Lakers today, considering the history they've had in these fourth quarters. But when the version of them has only played 22 games, the numbers of where they rank now are just, they're just irrelevant to me because it's not exactly it's like not a fair representation of who they've been because that's not what we're expecting. Although Beal, into the point of the contract and in the transact. He misses a lot of games. He just misses a lot of games, and now this is his fourth injury. Even though it looks like he's going to be back Thursday, so yeah. I, that was what they were saying today. Well, that's why they might trick me because I don't see it, but I don't really have a rational reason other than I'm not a huge fan of a team that has no real point guard and then Nurkic as their center, even though he's great tonight against the Lakers. Any other trick teams for you? Are the Clippers going to trick us? I think they already did. We Wait, had you're them already on the off short final. No, I'm just saying we, I have them on I still have them on the short list of teams I could see in the finals and they, you know it would just be funny if they lose in round 1 and Harden goes <laughs> 6 for 28 in game But see, game I six, think they get bounced and we're like, "Whoa, how did I see this?" But Harden won't take 20 like there's no scenario now if everybody's healthy where he'll have to carry a team. So he can have an awful Harden playoff game and it's not going to matter as much as it did in the past. Where if he was the two with Philly yeah. or the one with Houston. So that's part of it. Now, you know, if you're telling me they have full health, this Kawhi season and what he's been, like I was looking at the hustle stats the other day. I think he has the most total loose balls recovered. Yeah. Like this guy at this stage of his life, even though it, like it was a little scary, but like this guy's in a minutes restriction during the All-Star game. Like what's going on here? Him and Paul George. So if you're telling me it's a bad health bet, I agree. Um and if you're telling me like, hey, you're you're the guys that bring up Harden in the playoff stuff all the time, and now you're buying back into him. So that's why when I did that whole segment of going like, I think I'm there with it. But it was just, it was so incredible for two months. And I know, you know, they've kind of split a bunch of games here recently, but they were due to have some kind of downturn. They were yeah. going to keep up that pace. I had Kawhi turned in a ringer top 100 list last week. Or a week and a half ago, I had Kawhi as the sixth best player in the league, which I felt really good about. I still so you had still, him ahead of Curry. No, I had him right behind Curry. I had Jokic, Giannis, Luca, Shea, Curry fifth, Kawhi sixth. Okay. Uh, can I throw one more into the mix here for a trick team? Just because the reason everybody's gone, yeah, nice record, but whatever. And that's Oklahoma City. Hmm. Because as you know this, like I went through the top 10 youngest teams to ever win a title and you've got the 15 Warriors. So there is something in the modern era where you can go, it's not impossible. You need it's a lot just, of luck with the rest of the league is right. what needs to happen. And they're not going to get that luck this year with some of the teams. Yeah, because I think <laughs> when you look at the West this year, you kind of look back to last year, you go, okay, Memphis falls apart. New Orleans falls apart. Sacramento was like, hey, cool story, but they're a specific matchup team. Yeah. You have Golden State get them in the first round. And then the Lakers deal with this Memphis disaster. You know, Denver's kind of, I don't know if you'd say they're challenged against Phoenix because Phoenix is like trying to figure it out all last minute. And you had to have those two absurd 
Durant Booker games to even make that series competitive at one point. But I never yeah. really felt like Denver was, you know, once it played out, I was like, hey, Denver's going to win this thing. So then you have Denver going through a Lakers team that had a great matchup in the first round, a great matchup in the second round. And then Denver just kind of gets through it all. And then they smoke a Miami team that was one of the most surprising finals team of, of my NBA watching history. And now you go, well, where's the easy path? Like, it doesn't feel like there's the easy path. And Oklahoma City, like, they've got all these great numbers. The one alarming one with them is why I was a little surprised there wasn't somebody to add at the deadline is their 29th, I think, in rebounding rate, which is would would check out with the eye test, you know, because of just not having enough depth or enough beef up front as great as well, Chet has been. And Chet insurance was, we talked about that when we did the trade deadline pod. I can't believe that got outbid for Gafford. I would love to know the explanation for that. Um, it just feels like whatever Dallas gave up, OKC could have thrown in an extra 20 cents on the dollar and just gotten them. But it seems like they're really, really sold on this whole everybody on their team can have the ball and move and cut and handle. And they don't really have guys like that on the team. It's just a philosophy. But but here's the thing. Like you look at them against Minnesota, they're split the four games. They're two and one against the Lakers. Kawhi did miss one of those. They're three and one against Denver. Jokic missed one. Gordon missed one. Whenever I'm doing the season series stuff, it gets really frustrating now, even though guys have been playing more games. It's not even worth it. Well, here's what I know is that against the other top teams in the West, they've held up really well. So you can go, all right, well, the age thing, at least there's a Warriors example and the rebounding number scary, but look how they've done against these other big teams and maybe they can spread a team out and win four, seven and all this kind of stuff. But the other thing that I look at with them is I go, their guys play. Their guys play all the time. The five young starters, right. Those guys have only missed 10 games. All right. This is part of my case for them going 50 plus wins. Young guys play. Okay. 50, the, the over under is perfect. But does that mean they're playing at like a maximum a level that's like, are they right. closer to their ceiling now in a way a Denver isn't or the Clippers aren't or whatever you think of Minnesota or maybe Milwaukee's a great example of this in that regular season, as we know how different it is tricking us. So, so you mentioned the 2015 Warriors. You go back and look at the, uh, at the league that year, the final eight in the East. Atlanta defeated Washington four games to two to advance to the uh, to the East Finals. Washington was a Final Eight team, and then Cleveland beat the Chicago Bulls four to two. The Chicago Bulls, who had in that playoff series Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose coming off knee surgery, uh, Noah, Mike Dunleavy, Old Pal Gasol. Taj Gibson and Nikola Meritich. That was their top seven. Um, and then in the West, Golden State beat Memphis four to two in that series. Remember, Memphis went up two to one and then they started just leaving Tony Allen wide open and the series fell apart. Print the and shirts. The other, Remember it well. The other series was the Houston Clippers, the Josh Smith, Corey Brewer game when the Clippers were about to advance to the West Finals and then it didn't happen. My point is the league was, was I think, significantly weaker than it is this year. It's, it's no contest. I don't know how many of those teams you would even say could crack the top eight now. I mean, maybe Golden State. I was looking at that Clipper team because I was trying to, after all the JJ first take stuff when Pat Bev was going at him, and I was like, who was on that Clipper team? And it was Blake, CP, Jordan, Redick, Barnes, Crawford, 
Austin Reeves. Can you name their eighth man? No. In the playoffs, it was Glenn Big Baby Davis was their eighth man. And Spencer Hawes coming in to give them some minutes. Was it Rivers? Rivers was their seventh man. I mean, they had Hito Turkaloo played. He he touched 11 games that year for them. When Turkaloo was none done, of these teams he was, had depth. He, he was done. Uh, the depth, like you brought up that Noah series against the Cavs. I thought he was yeah. going to die in that series. <laughs> Not like Delavadova level. Yeah. Like Delavadova almost died in the 15 finals, just hustling, which is yeah. an, an incredible stat. Uh, but yeah, you know, Noah never played. Noah turned out, he went from like, I can't stand this guy to I want him on my team forever. And at that point with Tibbs, he was like, I might want to end his career because uh, I just remember Noah trying to break, run back. And that was it. You know, he never played in the playoffs. He played 48 seconds. Pretty weak time. Um, the rest of his career. Let's take one more break. We're going to do uh, hottest takes and we're going to talk about the Celtics. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford, or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. Going to start wearing shorts. Going to start wearing bathing suits. You're just you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside, do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or sixty minutes. Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right, so we're going to start a new segment, at least for some of these Sundays, where we do a hottest take modeled after the hottest take podcast that we did. You can go find them. They're really fun. It's basically you're arguing a take. You don't have to necessarily believe it, but if as you're making it, maybe you do believe it. Maybe you believe 50% of it. Um, maybe you believe 30% of it. Maybe you believe 100% of it. We thought it'd be fun to do this, say these takes, and then the next day or two days later, it gets aggregated like they were a real That's take what it that feels didn't have like. the setup. I- I don't think you even want to do the segment as much as you want to see somebody aggregate this. I just, it's just the aggregation culture in 2024. I don't know if it's ever been stupider. Uh, so I'm excited for that part. Anyway, do you want to go first? or No, I, w- I want you to go first. Okay. Mark Cuban, 2006. The Mavs blow that heat series and the officiating had a big part of it. And Mark Cuban went on a, like basically a jihad to fix the officiating um, culture and more accountability, bring in a head of officiate. Like he really, like that was, I think the biggest impact he had in the league for better and worse. And now as I watch basketball 18 years later, I wonder if the Mavs had just won that fucking series 
<laughs> would we have to deal with all the fucking terrible officiating shit that we have to deal with day after day? There was a game today, Laker, the Lakers game, beginning in third quarter. There were three challenges slash reviews in the span of a minute. The game just stopped for like 11 minutes. So I don't know if it's social media's fault or Mark Cuban's fault. I'm going to blame Mark Cuban because I think if they win that series, none of this stuff happens. And the game's just simpler to watch and there's better flow and we're not getting two-minute reports and it's not just uh, just us being constantly frustrated by how overthought all the officiating is. And I stem it back to 06. I don't even think this is a take. I think this is a well-researched opinion piece. Well, maybe next week, uh, maybe next week it'll be hotter. <laughs> you break out the word processor. No, but when shit, when shit happens with officials, I just think of that finals. I'm like, God damn, I wish the Mavs had just won that. <laughs> it's just a, just a basketball it would just be a better place. Uh, all right, you go. All right, here's, here's what I think will happen. Okay. I think the Pistons ownership could petition the league and say, we want Pistons, Wizards, best of seven. And if we can't beat them, we get to void Monty Williams' contract. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I know this will turn into like a management employee dispute, but should there be some sort of structure in any hiring process where it's like a lemon law, but with people, where 60 days in you go, hey, we all... This all all of this was we totally fucked it up. We don't like almost pay, like a mulligan. Yeah, we don't have to pay you the seventy million because I just can't believe I don't know that he watched any tape of last year's Pistons. Yeah, like for certain things to dawn on him that late that most people would league pass to be able to figure out like why were you like you were starting and closing games with Killian Hayes and then you waved him like that. It, you know the and, Killian thing was insane. And unfortunately, I think the Pistons, what happens when you're bat- bad that long and you've had a bunch of lottery picks and you start to kind of talk yourself into some weird stuff like, hey, we can maybe be competitive this year. And it felt like they wanted to get where they were supposed to get a year ahead of time. And granted, you know, with Cade missing time, that didn't help either. But like, it just was such a bad fit of all of it. Um, I don't like I keep track of it. The Pistons are now a half game behind the Wizards. Granted, post Gafford. But watching the Wizards in person and thinking the Pistons have a worse record than they do, when there's players on the Pistons I actually like and I still hold out hope for, it's got to be one of the worst coaching jobs in a long time. Sal, Sal and House and Hench and I bet on the Pistons over at the All-Star break. The over on FanDuel was 13 and a half. They had eight wins. So they had to go six and 22. And I, I'm with you. I've been watching some piston stuff. I'm like, this team's not bad. Like they're, they're literally not bad. Now that they're actually Monty's actually playing the right guys, and um, I was like, they. I actually don't think they're going to roll over. I think the Wizards are going to roll over, but I don't think Detroit is. And uh, so I was watching last night, and they're hanging with Orlando, and then Palo hits this crazy game winner against them, and we're texting on the thread like, oh my God, tough Pistons lost. I'm like, how do I, how did I end up with money on the Pistons? What, why did I do this? Why did I willingly make a Pistons over bet? But the point is they actually have some talent and just not playing Killian, they're better. Like not giving him his 20 to 25 minutes uh, and redistributing that stuff. I, I'll tell you this with the money thing. There's 
Spolstra, what did he get? 15 million a year. Kerr just signed the extension for two for 35. It was one of the greatest things that happened to, uh, to the coaches in the league. They're like, it changed money. Right. Yeah. It changed everything. So He's that's, be that's hero. the new baseline for a coach now. It's like 15 million to get one of the really good ones. I don't know what Popovich signed for, but um, all right, let's, let's do a little mini Celtics or mini deep dive on the, do you uh, have more on, takes or you just have no, one? It's just no, one? It's one each. Yeah. Okay. We'll all, right, on. all right. Celtics. 45 and 12, eight game lead in the East. Five games over anyone in the West. They're first in offensive rating, third in defensive rating. They're plus 10 and a half net rating, which has them tied for ninth all time. They're on a list that includes... Wait, say that again? Yeah, they're ninth all time in net rating right now. The list includes the 96 Bulls, 13.4, highest one. The 97 Bulls, the 2017 Warriors, the best team in the century. The 16 Spurs did not win the title. The 08 Celtics, the 92 Bulls, the, the 71 Bucks, the 16 Warriors did not win the title. And then they're tied with the 72 Lakers who did win the title. This is, by net rating, the best team in the last seven years. They, uh, I asked Sean Grandy for this because I know he keeps track of weird shit like this. So thanks to Sean. They've had 35 games this year where they've been up by 15 points or more. They've had 24 games where they've been up by 20 or more. The 08 Celtics had 35. They're number one in rebounds. They're number one in three points attempted. Their uh, net rating stuff, the their best five-man lineup, that's fourth. Best two-man lineup, Tatum and White, that's second, plus 12.6. Their best three-man lineup, Porzingis, Tatum, and White, or Porzingis, Brown, and White. Both of those are the best three-man lineups in the league. All the Porzingis numbers are amazing. Uh, the advanced stats say that this team actually could get a little better. I think there's a world, I think the Celtics feel this too, that they might actually have another level to go to, and the only hindrance would be the fact that they have this huge lead for the one seed, and they don't really have a shitload of urgency. Um they're in an incredible spot right now, at least to win the East. And with Denver kind of staring at that at them, they know they can play with Denver. And uh, this is the most optimistic I've been as a Celtic fan since 08. Okay, what do you think of the hesitation? Because there seems to be like real national hesitation on them. I get texts from people and be like, you really think they're that good? And I was like, I, I think they're that good. But I understand your concerns. Yeah, because I have think? the same concerns because it does what feel like they? the right kind of street fighting team. You know, like a, a, the type of team the Heat had last year, the type of team the Knicks on paper could have when all their guys come back. Just a gritty, physical team that turns it into an ugly game that's decided in the last five minutes. Um, I guess it would be the hesitation and then Porzingis would be the other thing. What am I getting from him? Even yesterday, Joe Mass has him out there against the Knicks. There's two and a half minutes left. They're up 16 and Porzingis is running around. I'm like, just take him out. I don't, just every minute that this guy is healthy as we get toward April, especially with this giant lead, just, I don't want to see him in any danger ever. It's too important. So I, I guess those, and then Joe Maz, just the fact that he hasn't been there. Joe Maz right now for any coach over hundred games has the highest winning percentage in the history of the league by like almost half a point. So 
it's tough to nitpick. I think the thing, the best thing you can say about the Celtics is you're really nitpicking if you're looking for stuff. They have a lot of answers in a lot of different directions. And if the reasons you're going to ding them are they're too, Tatum's too young. I don't love their bench. Is Porzingis going to stay healthy? Like those, you're nitpicking. That would be the case for them. Lowest corner three percentage. I try to find stuff. I try to find stuff about, okay, when it's late and we know they have the highest three-point frequency of any team, they take the most per their possessions. I did this, I think, a couple weeks ago where I talked about Tatum on the isolation drives. Yeah. And that his free throw rate is way below all the other guys. Like people in Minnesota think Ant doesn't get calls. And yeah. a lot of that becomes like Ant doesn't try for the call, right? The way Aluka does. Yeah. Tatum doesn't try for the calls the way some of these other guys do. And clearly the last couple of years, like Tatum's drives and his aggressiveness. And, you know, when I think about the street fighting part of it, I kind of agree. But then I think back and being like, hey, 27 other teams would take their playoff failures. And if they were really soft, like, don't they lose to Philly last year when they're down 3-2? Or Milwaukee game six. Yeah, or go back to the Milwaukee. Like, think about some of the Tatum resume games that he has for his playoff career already. And you're going to tell me, like, that guy can't get it done? By the way, Tatum, Uh, still 25 years old right now. Yeah, and by the way, like, the other part when you start packaging it all in together, because, like, I saw somebody the other day on one of the shows say, hey, this group's been together a long time. And it's like, well, not this no, version of the two group. Two of the guys and if, have. Yeah. And if you're, if you're taking, if you're knocking Tatum and Brown for 18 and not beating LeBron in game seven, like, that's, that's, they were just ahead of schedule with some of this stuff. You want to talk about yeah. a bad top of a conference, go back and look at, like, that 18 East. Right. It was they probably joke. should have lost to Washington. Well, they definitely should have lost to Washington. Uh, I, I, I couldn't believe at the time that they did beat Washington. So there's, there's these arguments that I'll hear, but then I think like think of all these other guys that like have nothing on their resume, nothing like Tatum's game against Milwaukee that you bring up or the game seven fifty one points last year. And yeah, I thought they lost to a better team in Golden State two years ago in the finals, and the offense got clunky and everything. But like when I look at hey, do they settle too much here? What are some of the clutch numbers saying? Like a lot of the numbers still look really, really good. So this fatal flaw of the settling three when they're closing out a game, I don't know how you're 45 and 12 if it's as big of a problem as the way it gets talked about. And like yeah. you bring up the Knicks and going, okay, you know, maybe when OG's back and whatever ends up happening with Randall, and I know they had him working out and street closed the other day, but like that's still a TBD with Randall. OG seems far more optimistic about when he comes back. And some of these Nick numbers you can say with two different players is similar to Phoenix, but you know, run through the top eight in both conferences. If you go to the expanded standings, the Knicks are 12 and 21 against teams over 500. It's the worst record of yeah. any top eight seed in either conference. And I know what a Knicks fan would say is, well, we're not that team anymore. Okay, but can we say it for three weeks? Yeah, that's all. Can can you just see put together a really good month with a bunch of bunch of nice wins? And by the way, New York had their incredible stretch, even missing some of those people, which is just a credit to Brunson and how good he's been. But I don't know if it's fear or intelligence that tells you they can't beat a Knicks team in the playoffs. There's two things that are just just so people know that aren't really focused or watching them that much. There's two things that are just completely different about them now from last year. One is that 
they're more malleable than they were last year, right? They can go a little smaller. They can go a little bigger. Um, the Porzingis thing, there's just games when he's just, the, the other team has no guy to defend him. And if they try to do that fluky bullshit, like put a smaller guy on him, the Celtics just immediately punish him. I think Joe Maz has been really good about that this season. Like you're not, we're not letting you guard Porzingis that way. We're going to immediately take advantage of that. Um, the other piece is Tatum, where there's been subtle differences with them. We were watching, I was watching my, uh, my old college roommate, John Richard was in town. We were watching the Knicks last night and we were just talking about Jay Rich. Tatum, Tatum, uh, Fitchburg's own John Richard. Um, we we're talking about how Tatum bullies people a couple times a game in a way that he just didn't do last year. And I was thinking about him as a power forward in, in the 2020s, right? You don't think of Tatum as a power forward. Like, what is he? He's just a forward, right? I don't, we don't really have positions anymore. We basically have guards, wings. He, he could play two guard if he wanted to, you know, yeah. like if it was a weird lineup. But yeah, you're right. He's a forward. So he hits threes. He gets to the line. He can post up. He can pass out of double teams. He can rebound. He can switch on defense and he's durable. But he also can play basically four positions for them because they could even play him at small ball center. They don't really do it that much, but I do think there's a world in the playoffs where they could. But I was thinking about the power forwards we grew up with, right? So you go back to the early 2000s. Duncan, KG, C-Web, Dirk, Rashid, Elton Brand, Pau Gasol, Jermaine O'Neal, Antoine Walker, Kenya Martin, Juwan Howard. Like there was... It was a real position with guys who they could post up. They rebounded. They usually had 10 plus rebounds a game. They, uh, they could protect the basket. And now you go into 2020s. Who are the power forwards? It's like Giannis is definitely a power forward, even though he's probably really a center. Tatum, LeBron's, I guess, a power forward now. He's a, or he's a power point guard. I don't know what the fuck he is. Randall, Laurie Markinen, Towns, Paolo, Aaron Gordon. Jabari Smith, maybe Jalen Johnson, but how many forwards do you think are averaging eight rebounds a game right now? If you had to guess. I don't know off the top of my head. Go ahead. Seven. Giannis, Randall, Tatum, Markinen, Jalen Johnson, John Collins, and Jabari Smith. John Tatum's Collins. Still nine a game. John Collins randomly made it. But my point is Tatum is, is this kind of stealth asset as this kind of 2020s power forward. And I think we're going to see it in Team USA too because you need those forwards who can, you know, rebound but also shoot threes. And he's a really unique asset. And if you're going to make the MVP case for him, which I would not because I think there's better players, part of the reason this team is special is because how malleable he is now. The fact that he can rebound, he can defend, he can jump out, he's a two-way guy. And I think his little gross in all these different spots, the stats don't really sum it up. The stats are pretty similar to where they were last year, but I test it's different. So that's my yeah. little Tatum rant. PER is the same. Win shares per 48 is almost to the dot. The box yeah. score plus minus stuff is is like the same. Percentages, shooting, all pretty much similar. He's awesome. Um, and and the, only, the only problem is, is that he's not ever somebody that people would say is the best player in the league. And... Because he's for not. Boston or for whatever, but if he ends up being the fifth or sixth or whatever, like hell, I used to have a hard time when people put him ahead of Booker 
Um, but this year, I think you probably have to, even though I wish maybe Tatum had a little of that Booker, like whatever goes on in Booker's head, that would be maybe the perfect version of Tatum. But then it, it just goes too far with like, oh, he's not this. He's not. Like, I just hear it from my buddies. I'm like, you guys are a little spoiled with him. Just like, He's 25. Just has to be mentioned. Yeah, but I, he's but not I the guy he's going to be yet. I, oh, I don't know. I, I, like Whatever this is, this is incredible. My bigger issue was like the Jalen Brown stuff. Okay. Uh, it kind of dawned on me this year. I've Should never I refill struck- my Michael Jordan Dream Team Cup before you go into this? How how long is this going to go? It's not going to go long because I'm going to pivot okay. it back to you because you you watch it uh, more intently than I do. But like Jalen has smashed through any ceiling I've ever had for him. I've said that before. Like the draft early on, okay, he's he's pretty good, but whatever. And then it just keeps going up and up. And you know, I voted him All NBA last year, and I didn't really. I know there's some of the analytics community would say that he actually wasn't as good or, you know, whatever. And that's, that's fine. But I've really tried to like pay attention to him more this year. Cause I figure with Porzingis coming in, like you just knew he was going to have less opportunities. And so some of the numbers across the board are down because he just yeah. has less shots. He is as good as anybody of making something out of something where I'm like, what? Oh, it went in again. <laughs> There are so many possessions with him where I'm like, he's just going to kind of pull up and turn around and hit a jumper from there. Like if you freeze framed it as he's midway through the move, you'd be like, oh my God, this is going to hit the backboard. Right. And then if you're being, you're just like, it went in again. It's a no, he's a no, no, yes guy. But I don't know that he does a lot of like, he may take the pressure off everybody else because he can find ways to score when everything's broken down. But I, I think he's really kind of doing his own thing. And we're this many years into it. And I wonder if they get stopped again in the East, if if that's the real, like, you know, because it was happening before Ime and the team had turned around. Remember how miserable it was watching them yeah. a couple years ago? And they had one of the all-time turnarounds, end up in the NBA Finals. Nobody's talking about breaking up Jalen and, and, uh, and Tatum anymore. And that's not necessarily what I'm even presenting here. But I look at him and I'm I'm consistently confused by this incredibly productive, talented player in a way where I'm like, is is it as good as the scoring is? Is it, you know, by the way, they're winning a million games, so it's not like there's this piece that's, you know, screwing them up and they're flirting with just being over 500, being a four seed. I, I, I don't know. I'm asking you, what do you think it is that I'm seeing? Because it just feels a little different, or maybe it's always been this way, and I'm just finally admitting like, yeah, he's an awesome player, but I don't know. I can't tell if you're making the case for him or against him. Exactly. Then you listened because that's what it feels like. So here's the best thing I'll say about him. You probably knew some girl in, in college or after college who carried herself in a way that made her more attractive. There's something about the demeanor that was part of the package. Perfect segue. Just in Aspen for a few days. You're like, are you serious? And we're like, or is it the outfit? <laughs> right. <laughs> he carries himself like he's one of the best guys on a team that's won five titles. You're right. He has the confidence and a little bit of a swagger of somebody who's actually done more than he's probably done. On the other hand, he's done a lot. Like he's played 
I think he's played 100 playoff games already. Let's see. It's it's like 109. I have it up here. I'll grab it. Yeah, he's he's been in a lot of big games. He's played against a lot of great players. He's held his own a few times. In in the 22 finals, he was probably the best guy in the Celtics. How many playoff games? Uh, we are at 112. 112 playoff games. Guys, guy has been in all kinds of situations. He plays in front of one of the best home crowds. And we kind of know what his faults are. To me, he's another 90-10 guy where 90% of it's great and the 10% is really glaring. And he'll have these moments where there will be a breakaway the ball's going the other way and he's dribbling and you just like, oh, he's going to get caught from behind and they're going to poke it out of bounds. I know it's going to happen. And then it does. And you're like, oh man, Jalen. The 10% is really glaring with him. Everybody's got the 10% though. I My thing is he's Not he's his 10%. Because his 10% is like... It's a pulsating 10%. Right. I'll fully admit it. Um, is he overpaid? Of course. Is LeBron overpaid? Would you want to play LeBron $50 million this year? You probably wouldn't. I think most guys, when you get over 40, they're probably going to be overpaid unless it's one of the five best guys in the league. I still think him and Tatum together, the fact that those guys really like playing with each other and care about each other, that's a really important piece of this. Because even there's got to be that little that little twinge sometimes where it's like, why isn't it me? Why isn't this my team? I don't think he thinks that way. I think those guys look out for each other. I was told a story, the All-Star game, when everybody was going for each other for the MVP. It hit that point. And I was barely watching the All-Star game. But it, the, you know, the East was up 20. So Dame was in there and Halliburton and Jalen Brown was going for it. And Tatum went to Doc Rivers and he said, give Jalen my minutes. I want to see him get MVP. I think those guys like each other. Like I to me, that's a that's a real that's a real dynamic. Those guys have grown up that, together and I think they look out for each other. That was talked about when they weren't playing well, right? It was those guys don't like it, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And I think it's a really good point there. Although as an aside, is it actually uncool to pursue the all-star game MVP now? <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. Because of the records. Yeah, that's true. By the way, I don't, don't want to pursue it. I want a definitive Bill Simmons line in the sand in basketball history where an all-star MVP no longer means anything. Just give me the year. Tell me when it starts because I do not I, want to I think hear. I think it started this year. No, it's, it's already started previous years. I'm just saying I need you to be the judge I'll, and jury I'll go back on this one. Go back and look because when somebody's like debating somebody, same thing as the gold medal thing, which is my least favorite, the sooner you have to bring up somebody's Olympic gold medal for their Hall of Fame case, the worse their case is. Yeah. But if you're going to tell me like it's not the numbers, it's not the titles, but he won All-Star MVP in 2028. All-Star like, MVP should not be used ever. Well, I from there was a time when it did matter. Yeah. You kind of had to have one. In the 20th to, century. But. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But so I like the theory. So a couple of people were saying how when Kobe, when his career was kind of running to an end and he stopped making the All-Star game, that's when the All-Star game turned into something else because he really cared about it and it made other, team, uh, other guys care because how much he cared. And then Westbrook always really cared about it. So there's always at least two guys that were like, I care, I'm trying to win. And then other guys are trying. Now it's like we don't have those guys anymore. By the way, I'll give Westbrook this. He can't be on a court and not want to. And bust he's always going to be like, I'm going to try to get 20 rebounds. Yeah, <laughs> right, I'm going to so, try to. Can I get 50 points? He can't. There's no off button for him. So that the All Star game is made for him. If he gets back in one, 
which is probably not going to happen. He would MV- win MVP. But yeah, I mean, it's back to the Jalen thing. Like, would you rather have Jalen Brown or two Derek Whites? Two Derek Whites? Well, I love Derek White. I The bigger question to me is, is Derek White, does he mean more to this team than Jalen Brown does? And I think you can make the case he does, and there's a lot of advanced metrics that support it. But I still really value the Tatum Brown as a combo, and I like rooting for it. I like that we're in year seven or eight. We've been talking about it on this podcast for a while. I'm with you. I think if if they blow it this year, if this year is disappointing in some way, and they're looking at, you know, having to pay White, having to pay Drew Holiday, also having to pay Jalen fifty million. I don't see how all three of those guys come back if they don't win. Because they're going to pay White. I don't know what Drew's market is, and he's sacrificed the most. Yeah, I you mean know, his the, numbers, but it, like, look at the free agent list. Okay? That's what I mean. And I, you could just could see it be a, a Van Vliet situation where somebody's like, here's, absolutely, here's 120 million for three years. Our team option year three. I have a monologue ready to go where I'm at the point after this trade deadline because we had already gone for like three hours or four hours. I don't know if there's a bad contract anymore in the NBA. <laughs> Mm. You know, I mean, yes, there is Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. But it's not about the existing contracts. It's, hey, we're a bad team and we have cap space and we have to spend it on somebody. So even though if you, you can't look at Drew Holiday's production and go, hey, this guy's slowing down, to your point, he, he's made the Ray Allen sacrifice. He's so much fun to watch uh, on defense. Both him and White, just some of the some of the team defense stuff they do. I would encourage people to watch the two guards when the Celts really have it dialed up. He's such a smart, like jumping off people, jumping back, jumping into passing lanes, coming back out, coming down for a double team. Like his instincts, I'd never really watched him this carefully, night after night after night. But his instincts on what to do, and then the way he protects the rim, him and White. I've never seen two guards protect the rim like this. Like they. They're, they're two of the best shot blocking guards of the past 10 years, and they're both on the same team. So anyway, there's a lot of pressure on this season, I think, because of the price tag that's coming. And, you know, teams are going to come after Jalen if, if they don't win the title, because there's not a lot of guys like him who have the kind of experience he has in the production. Randall, right. I feel like he's still really good. Like yeah, I'm not he's still really good. It's like Randall when the Knicks fans complain about Randall. It's like, do you miss the 24 and nine every night now that he's not playing? And you're watching Precious Achua airballing 11 footers from the foul line. Do you miss Randall now? It's nice to have the 24 and nine every single night. Any other Celtics things you want to hit? No, I think we'll get to it this season. Porzingis, Tatum and White together plus 15.2. Porzingis, Brown, and White, plus 14.9. Porzingis and White together, really good. Um, any media stuff you want to do before we go? What did you think about JJ and against the, that first take, that whole media cycle? And I to me, it I felt started. like there was no basketball on and people had nothing to do. So it was like, hey, something happened. Oh. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we do the, the media corner. Every media corner sponsored just, by something. I don't know. We'll just end up getting everybody pissed at us because I just, I don't, I don't really, really care. care anymore. I don't care anymore either. Here's, here's that. I don't like first take. It's not my kind of show. Uh, it does well. Yeah. For a daytime sports show that 
I mean, I guess the only other competition would be Skip, and nobody watches that show anymore. Yeah. So the whole function of it, it was never a fit. If you've listened to me, you know I would be bad on the show, okay? So I'm not even saying, like, it's anything personal about the show. I just know, like, oddly enough, when I see JJ on it, I'm like, that's what I would be like on that show, but without right. the resume. And that's why I would never be on that show, even though, whatever, I stopped by a few times and I, they were like, hey, do you, do you want to defend them keeping the, the sign Yawkey way? I was like, <laughs> no. They were like, shit. He's okay with him changing. Are you sure? <laughs> like, it'd be great if you were like, no, it needs to stay Yawkey way. Yeah. It's history, man. Right. So, uh, I think I still went on and then I still somehow somebody turned it into like, cause I was like, who gives a shit? So, um, so let me just get that out of the way. Like, it's just not, it's not my, it's not my thing. Um, but I get JJ's point, but I also kind of get the debate show format. Like, Hey, you can't come on and tell us all our topics are stupid. Right. <laughs> right. But sometimes I see something break out and it's like, we're a debate show. We ask why Westbrook was criticized for triple doubles and Jokic wasn't. We're a debate show, you know? Hey, we're a debate yeah. show. We ask if Spolster's on the hot seat when they blow a 3-0 lead to the Celtics going into game seven. And you're like, what? So it doesn't mean, hey, we're a debate show. We just we can ask whatever the fuck we want all the time. But as somebody that worked on a talk show every single day, and Van Pelt and I used to get in arguments about this, is somebody yeah. win a game, and he'd go, all right, we got to talk about them. And I'd be like, well, do we? Do we have to? We owe them credit? Because, like, is there a topic behind it? Because if there's not a topic where you and I can carry it for seven to 10 minutes, then why are we doing it? And that's actually something I give First Take a lot of credit on is that even if you don't love the mechanism or where they get to was the question asking point, like it's the jumping off point. So it's, it's funny in that I understood JJ's pain. <laughs> And how frustrated he was. But people also weren't wrong to go, hey, like, what do you think we do around here? He just shouldn't go on the show. You really think that, huh? He obviously doesn't like doing it. He gets <laughs> to do basketball games. He has his own podcast. Who's making him go on first take? Just don't go on the show. If you don't like the format, don't do it. I wouldn't go on the show. I never went on it when I worked there. Were you invited, Bill? I went on once at the 2012 finals and I did like five minutes and I had a good time. Um, but in general, it's not the kind of show I would want to do. I wouldn't want to exchange three minute monologues and do the shtick thing. Like I just wouldn't, I personally wouldn't want to do it. Cause then when I, I guess saw my question is why is JJ doing it if he doesn't like it? I think you do it because it's, hey, you're going to come by once basketball season starts up and we get rid of all the football guys and we need some more basketball people. So when I was watching but him. But he's doing games now. Like he's he's on the number one broadcast team. Like Van Gundy didn't go on that show. He doesn't need to go on it. Just don't do it. I think when you're starting off and you get the opportunity to go and do the show, you're like, right. oh my God, I get to do this show. But JJ, you, you're sure, fine. He's more accomplished. He's got plenty of money in the bank. He, maybe he doesn't need to do it. I imagine there's some part of him that thought it like, hey, this will be fun. Come on once a week and debate these guys. But yeah. I, I thought a lot of the arguments became a little self-serving like they always do in almost every single topic, you know, in that if you're on a debate show, you are anti-JJ. 
And it's like, all right, <laughs> you know, and then it's, and then I guess you'd be pro JJ if you hate the shows, but you know, I mean, look, you, you sit there in the pre-show and you go through all of these topics and you try to figure out a way to work yourself into the conversation you think is going to work on television. Like, Hey, what do you yeah. think of this? Okay. Well, this is, I've got, I've got a couple minutes on that. And then the other guy goes, Oh wait, like I did the show enough. I don't know. I mean, my history with it is, is pretty funny, but I did it and I sat in those pre-show meetings enough. And I actually think what they tried to do in the pre-show meetings was get the best stuff out of all the people that would be on the air and figure out the best way to the conversation. Now, sometimes it can feel a little like, Hey, you know, I used to always make the blame pie joke. Like if you were just desperate, it's like a team lost a big game and you were like, what's the topic? And then does LeBron no one, need to leave LA? <laughs> right. Yeah. And there'd be like blame pie. Somebody would just in the room. By the way, Blame Pie is a great name for a sports debate show. Blame Pie. Just every show starts with a pie and it's like, boom, grabbing a slice. This feels like another ringer spinoff where you could just have guys Blame at the debate desk and it's just called Blame Pie. And then you just yeah. like the first guy in the jib, he's like, offensive line 17%. Just random percentages. Advanced scout 12.5%. <laughs> offensive line two slices. Oh, you only get slices. eight slices. Yeah. You only get eight slices to hand out. I'm, I'm making this a two slice choice. Oh my God. And you could have a graphic with color and then the, it gets filled up like a trivia pursuit piece. Yeah. Yeah. You, actually, Half a slice. Kyle, Half edit this out. <laughs> uh, Wait, I wanna, what do you think though? You have to have more depth than JJ just shouldn't do it. No, I really don't because I, I don't really like those shows. In general, like I, I would much rather but listen you, to podcasts. Okay, see, like most of us needed the opportunity. Most of us have asked. You I'm didn't just saying, need it. I'm talking and JJ about myself as a, as a viewer. Okay, I just don't really consume the content, so I don't. I, I it's hard for me to imagine JJ going on there when they're to, when it's a show that a year ago somebody was wondering if Jokic was stat padding. Like to me, that just seems like that would be fundamentally offensive to JJ to be on the show in the first place. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, but listen, that show has been, especially during football season, I think they just had the most successful season they've had. It's not like they're doing anything wrong. I just, it's not a show for everybody. Like Zach Lowe, I can't imagine on first take either. It would have been hilarious if they were like, JJ, it's a debate show. And he's like, but is it a stupid show? <laughs> <laughs> just, like, <laughs> I, I think one of the issues with him on that show is he really gets Pissed? upset. <laughs> yeah, like, you'll see him in the screen. He's just seething. I'm actually, when I see a clip of him getting pissed, it's one of my favorite his things. Steam ever. is coming out of his ears. Uh, um, I his thing about the ecosystem and about how. More people, way more people are going to care that he said what he said about Doc Rivers versus his breakdown of Zion. I, I think that's been the case since the early 2010s. Goes back further I don't than think that. Anything has changed, but ever since we had Grantland, at least I felt like that was the way it was. That's an audience thing. Like the audience has yeah. told us more and more, they actually want that. They want the breakout piece. They want the thing. You know, we were making fun of the hottest take thing we were doing earlier in the pod. But when you went on SportsCenter, and it's not specific even to ESPN, it's specific to the industry in that they'd be like, do you have anything? And you'd be like, what do you want me to say? 
So you want me to go out there and say something like, hey, what's I remember they used to do this thing with McShay where they were like, do you have a bold prediction for this Saturday? And it was basically like, pick something that's definitely not going to happen. Yeah. But pick it. And I don't know that it's because every producer doesn't know what they're doing. That wouldn't make any sense. I've been doing this a really long time. I don't think it means the hosts don't know what they're doing. I think it means the audience, whether they want to admit it or not, they actually are attracted to these things. They are attracted. Well, you can see to it these, on the website. Of course. It'll be like the videos and the headlines would be like Stephen A lays in the Carl Anthony Towns. And then the next clip will be like, Perkins has had it with Dame Lillard. And then the next clip. And it's just, you know, that's that's what they're selling now. That's why But th that's been going on for a while. But it's true. Like if you go onto the site, you'll see the headline and it's just somebody's had it with somebody. And it's the, it's a freeze frame picture of somebody in mid rant, like their head's going to come off their body. Right. Yeah. That's what they're doing these days. You but, know, okay. But are they doing it wrong? I don't think they're doing it wrong. I think they're doing it right. <laughs> Saruti said we need to hold Josh Allen accountable. That's my favorite. That's my favorite one. is when a guy throws for like 300 yards, three touchdowns, they lose 35, 27. And then Monday's like, is this guy a winner? <laughs> I want one of the things I was thinking about adding to the Sunday shows is we just add like 10 more people in the Zoom. And then like with about an hour, 20 minutes into the podcast, one of them just has a character assassination of somebody and we go, whoa, where'd that come from? Whoa, Kyle, Jesus. Hey, whoa. And then we, we don't push back on. on it. Yeah. Yeah. We don't push back. It's kind of wink, wink. We think it's funny. Randy Scott hit on your wife, Saruti? Jesus. <laughs> Whoa, where'd that come from? That's some of my favorite TV radio stuff. They'll let, they'll let the 17th highest paid guy on the show say the most controversial thing. And then you go, oh. Um, Rosella, when are you doing your podcast this week? I'm taking another week off. Okay. Back <laughs> Sunday? Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we got Iguodala this week. So I'm excited about Iguodala. that. Iguodala. Yeah. And uh, we got the author of Napoleon coming on soon. Did you like the movie? Uh, I didn't watch it. A lot of people are down I, on it. Yeah, I'm sure as a historian, at least of the last 200 years, you know, I'm a hard marker. Rosillo, good to see you. I'm glad we're back on Sundays. This was produced by Kyle Creighton. And Steve Cerruti and Bob, who just shouted out a couple of horrible things that we had to edit out about people in the media. Bob. We should, we, maybe that's what we'll call the Bob just comes in, just say, just has these character assassinations. And we go, oh. Uh, Russell, good to see you. I'll see you in a week. I forgot to hit record. Just kidding. Must be 21 plus and president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. 
You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 